0: Stand the Man, what more could you ask for? Uh, we talking building businesses and entrepreneurs, next level, uh, elevating, steady working it, featuring guests, sharing their products and services. But stand the Man, Stand the Man podcast, let's get down to business, make it happen like that. But stand the Man, Stand the Man podcast, let's get down to business, make it happen like that. Stand the Man, let's go. Yo, said the entertainer here, y'all checking out the man with the plan. It's Stan the Man. Congratulations, man, on two years of doing your Stan the Man podcast. Big up, man. Salute. Keep grinding. Keep hustling. Showing them how it's done. Stan the 50 grand man. Let's go, baby. I right, Stan the Man podcast. Hey, day, y'all holler. Hello, everyone. Your host, Stan, the man here. And today I'm very excited to have uh, a very special guest with us. She is absolutely amazing. I can say that because I know of her and I know her. (laughs) Without further ado, the lady, the legend and no myth, the founder and CEO of Paris Black Tours, Ricky Stevenson.
1: Why, thank you, Stan. That is so nice of you to to introduce me. Um, I'm going to make a slight change. We have to say Black Paris tours. Thank and you so- why that's of so such significance only and this is why it's so so important. Go ahead. Um, my first big job in New York, I worked for a radio network in New York. And I met a man named Malvin Good. Mal Good was the first black ever hired by ABC Television Network to be um, a news reporter, television news reporter. And this was, he had come in, I mean, long before everything. He had come in during the 1960s after the watch riots. And Mal had a sister. Her name was Islanda Good Robeson. She was married to Paul Robeson. Now, I'll talk about it later, but I had long, from the time I was a little kid, I had a passion for Paris. Okay, who I was going to one day go to Paris. So here I'd left Nashville, Tennessee, where I'd worked for about eight months as um, a radio anchor and reporter after having been ushered into the business by Oprah Winfrey. Wind up being hired to go to New York. And my first mentor was Malvin Good mal good's brother-in-law paul robeson and his wife eslanda good robeson had lived in paris yeah and she wrote a column a monthly column for crisis magazine which is the arm of the magazine for the naacp and she called her column black paris guide okay and so when i met mal and he told me about his sister and the things that she and Paul Robeson had done in Paris and the salons that they used to have. But when I arrived in Paris in 1997 and decided that I would put an informal tour together, I said, the only name I can give it is the one that Islanda Good Robeson had given to her, her guide. And that was, instead of being Black Paris Guide, mine became Black Paris tours. So I'm very, very picky about that only because it's a gift from Islanda Good-Robson.
0: No problem. Well, uh, much respect. Actually, I I was going to move into that, but uh, I could not have said it any more perfectly than what you just did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you, Stan. <laughs> All
0: right. And uh, so that leads me into, you know, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but of course, uh, I would need more time. We might have to do another one later on. But um, of course, if you could, share with us how you were able to make the transition from you know actually having an amazing what I feel is an amazing broadcasting career and then going over and and pulling up everything including with your daughter of course
2: mm-hmm.
1: and
0: going over to Paris to not only live but start the black paris be- tours
1: mm-hmm. it's i always say my footsteps have been ordered these are my dreams my desires and i guess what i was brought to this planet to do um let me go back a little bit i was 3 years old when my mother a former dancer took me to see josephine baker perform we were a navy family okay i was born in oakland my mother and father wound up going to san diego as every navy family does i guess right. and um Mom, the former dancer who had danced with Louis Armstrong's band at one point, she loved to talk about the Hollywood and all of that sort of thing. So when I was three, she took me to see Josephine Baker perform. I was astonished because I was like, this is not television. And I had on my new black patent shoes. And Josephine Baker brought her rainbow tribe of 12 children out onto the stage. I was hooked at three. I grew up in a community called East Palo Alto A.K.A. Nairobi, California. And it was it was like Wakanda. We had teachers who were there to teach us, who were who were interested in us, who wanted us to be the best. And so I knew at an early age that um, the news that we got off of the television stations and the radio stations was not always true. So when I was about six, I decided I was going to become a newscaster to tell our side of the story. And now I'm going to jump ahead, um, went through undergraduate school, graduate. Uh, I also thought, well, oh, maybe I'll become an ambassador to France one day. Okay. got to French and and um, wound up going a little bit different direction. Um, gosh, there's too much to tell. Let me see if I can shorten it. Um was working in Nashville. Okay. Got hired by National Black Network, Radio Network in New York. Great. Fabulous. Spent seven years there, worked at the United Nations, then decided that I would move back to California. My mother was ill. Okay. And I moved back to California and went into television, and that's another long story. I was a business reporter. I was um I did some work with BET entertainment reporting. I was a Um, an anchor, all the stuff that you do. And in 1990, I was hired as the first Black woman to be hired as an international travel reporter. Awesome. That was great. That was what I wanted to do. Good. Traveling the world. And as I traveled the first two years, I'm like, wait a minute. Everywhere I went, there was our history. But you kind of have to dig a little bit, or it wouldn't be highlighted. So, you know, I'm in a town, I'm in Newport, Rhode Island, interviewing the rabbi of the first synagogue to ever be built in the United States. It had no religious markings on it. They were afraid that they were going to be persecuted and driven out of town, tarred and feathered. And when they weren't, they they um, they had built a tunnel from the middle of the church out to the ocean and as I'm wrapping up my interview with the rabbi he says oh let me tell you about this tunnel we built and when we found out that we could remain here and not be killed we decided that we would turn it into um, a tunnel that would be used on the underground railroad Railroad to deliver Africans to freedom All everywhere I went, I went to Halifax, Nova Scotia, doing a story on, you know, where to go, what to do, best places to go. And when I got to Halifax, I'm like, wait a minute, this looks like Oakland. How long y'all been here? (laughs) And they said, oh, well, we came in the 1770s after the British lost the Revolutionary War to those American terrorists, excuse me, colonists. They told us these people are such heathens and demons that they will kill you, torture you, just, you know, they will just slaughter you. So Mm. the British loaded up as many of the Blacks who had fought on their side during the Revolutionary War and hauled them all to Halifax, Nova Scotia. Mm, I'm like, oh my goodness. So, with that information in hand, I began doing a little bit of research. And, um, Went to talk to my news directors, the owners of uh, News Travel Network. It was San Francisco based. And um, I told them, listen, everywhere I go, I find black history. You know, I don't know. People don't know that La Jolla, California was founded by five black families. Mm, okay. that there's a very famous town. I'm not going to remember the name right now. Okay. That's, it'll come back to me in a minute. There's a very famous town near San Diego, east of San Diego that was founded in the 1850s as a black gold rush town. It's now an apple pie and and yuppie kind of getaway for the weekend town. But everywhere I went, there was that history. So I went to the suits, as I call them, and I said, listen, I would like to do stories about African-American historic places to visit, Penn Center. I mean, just I can get carried away with this in South Carolina, and um, they were like, "Well, as they would, why?" And I opened my notebook because you know you have to go in armed with notes, right? And I said, in 1991, African Americans in the United States been spent 29 billion b, not million. 29 billion dollars a year traveling amazing now at the time we weren't we were doing more you know reunions and going to the islands and we weren't really going that far but we were spending bucks but well, when you tell someone 29 billion dollars and i would like to tap into that they were like can we help you pack <laughs> And that was when I began getting interesting assignments. I was assigned to follow the Abraham Lincoln um, history trail or assigned to do, um, I think we were like 10 days in Charleston, South Carolina. I mean, just fabulous history. Just amazing history that we don't know, that we will, you know, that we just have no idea that the 54th and 55th Regiment, these black regiments of of black soldiers in Boston, that they marched down the Eastern seaboard and went to war during the Civil War. right. And there's a beach in the Charleston area. It's called Folly Beach. And that became a field hospital for the 54th and 55th Regiment. I have a piece of a bottle that a historian found for me on that beach, that had that has survived since the Civil War.
0: Amazing. So I was just going to quickly ask you. So it's fair to say that these things led up to you. Ooh, that's actually... right.
1: That's right. I came okay. to Paris the first time a couple years later. Not to thank you. Keep me on track. So that was 1992. In 1994, I was assigned to come to Paris. Um, brought a film crew, we were about six eight folks, my producers, and we were doing stories about Paris. Well, Paris is so packed with our history. Even the name of the city has to do with an African goddess. And it wasn't hard to find out. And I said, you know, if I ever have an opportunity I'm going to come back here. I'm going to go somewhere. And I'm going to do a tour about the rich legacy that we have as African people in the world. I'll tell you another thing that prompted me to come. Um, When I was married to my daughter's father, we spent some time in Saudi Arabia. You know, people are telling me, oh, this is going to be the worst thing. Oh, my gosh, it's going to be horrible, horrible, horrible. And when we got off the plane, at the airport, they looked at my passport and they were like, oh, sister, welcome home. Good. And I'm like, what? They were like, yeah, uh-huh. you're our sister. And that's when I learned, no matter where you go in the world, find out what the culture demands of you. Excellent. And then do that. So as a Black American in Saudi Arabia, I knew that I had to cover my elbows, the nape of my neck, my collage. I had to cover my knees. But other than that, I could wear a jacket over everything I put on. I didn't have to wear um, habayah. You know, I just was respectful of the culture. And okay, back to Paris. Okay, so having had all of these these experiences, I did a lot of travel in the Caribbean. My my, uh, master's degree was in... History, political science, history, um, Africa and the Caribbean, and went to Jamaica, went to Haiti, looking, I was on the trail of Toussaint Louverture. Very good. And um, so when, um, what happened? Oh, in 1996 or 1997, no, it was 1997. I was, because of, I had worked at the United Nations, I had an opportunity to interview Mikhail Gorbachev. Excellent. And I was so excited. And I went to my news director and I said, I've been asked you know, through my contacts to interview Mikhail Gorbachev. And he said, well, why would you? You're black. Oh. Why would you want to interview Mikhail Gorbachev? And I'm like, wait a minute. You have no one on this staff who has UN credentials. I do. I said, you know, it's time for me to leave. <laughs> so this is the short version. Okay. I was going to come to Paris. My daughter was in 11 years old. We were living in Oakland. Going to come to Paris to live for a year. I was tired. Uh, I had a talk show. I'm doing news. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And um, I said, well, I'm going to give it a, one, a one-year a one try. You know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And came and loved it. Beautiful loved it and um within two weeks members of my church I was going to East Bay Church of Religious Science in Oakland okay. all right and members of my church started coming over um show us what you found you know we want to see this what are the good restaurants what's the history Where are the nightclubs the jazz clubs and so Black Paris Tour was founded that is- I'll, have to, I'll have to tell you it was um Admiral Robert Tony, by the way, I don't know if, if this is evergreen, but we are speaking on December 7th. Okay. And I just wrote something marking the 81st anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Ah. Admiral Robert Tony, who was the first Black Admiral, Oakland born, to head the Pacific Fleet, he and his wife had been coming to Paris for years. Great. Maybe 20 years. And they spent a couple of weeks with my daughter and I. He said, Ricky, he put some money in my hand. He said, I want you to turn this into a business. Very good. And that's how it happened.
0: That's really excellent. And I, I, I know it's always a challenge when one is trying to condense a lot of years into a few moments. But I know your uh, journalism background probably helped a little bit on that. <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed. so I appreciate that I, you know the next thing we only have a few minutes left but uh, and important we're definitely going to have you back then no doubt and uh, the other thing I was going to ask you is what uh, you know we got about uh, a little less than 10 minutes left here but I wanted to have you share what would you share with entrepreneurs and business owners that are that are trying to get their business going and and some that are have their business going what capitalized advice would you give to them to encourage them
1: write down what your dreams are and don't let anybody push you off of that when I first came I went to the office of tourism and I said I'd like to do this tour and they were like well oh, no you can't do that you're not <laughs> you don't have the right credentials you don't have this you don't have that I okay was like, Thank you. And I went away, and I continued to do it anyway. All right. And eventually they sent someone to me to ask me if I would join them. Great. I had the joy of meeting President Jacques Chirac, who was the president the first seven years my daughter and I were here. And he knew what I was doing. Okay. And while the French tend not to really want to focus on the black stuff, They loved it. Okay, good. I was doing things about our history. And so this is what I would tell other entrepreneurs. Be passionate about what it is you want to do. And then move in that direction, get help, go to counselors, go to... I mean, they have all kinds of workshops, seminars you can do. But the first thing is to write out your own dreams and plans. And then move in that direction, and Excellent. that's that's the first thing I would tell them. Okay. I mean, people told me, "Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that," uh, and eventually they were like, "Oh, we're so glad you did that."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. Uh, that is really definitely, uh, definitely, definitely great advice. And uh, you know, I just want to thank you so much for your time. We're definitely going to have you back. Uh, and, uh, could you just share with my audience, uh, you know, the website, the the way to contact you and in case anyone, uh, me actually, just so you know, the folks that I know that are traveling or want to traveling, I just had a person say that she had a lot of PTO wanted to go somewhere. I I recommended, I said, go to Paris. (laughs) I've been, I was there in 92, of course, before you had the tours, but, uh, Mm -hmm. I've encouraged her to uh, look you up uh, when she gets there. So, um, what is the, what are some of the best ways that. One can well, let me contact.
1: Will we answer your first question? We are Black, www dot no s at the end com. Okay. Tour dot com. Or you can look me up. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook It's Black Paris Tours. I think Instagram is not. I think Instagram is Black Paris Tours. But our website is Black Paris Tour. Okay. Um. We've done great business. Word of mouth TripAdvisor has been excellent. Um, we haven't had to advertise. I'm telling you, it has been mostly word of mouth. We work with No Madness Travel Tribe. They send us people. I love them. They come with a purpose. Black travel movement. A number of uh, cat tracks tours. They're, look us up. Find out what we do. We do not do hotels air for, airfare. We right. do when you get here, we give you information. We give you a, a Black Paris tour confirmation guide that will give you two or three weeks worth of stuff to do restaurants, dance clubs, nightclubs, where to have your hair done, where to go shopping, where to buy French fashions, and you're not spending crazy money. Okay. Um, we want our travelers to. Well, one of our, our mottos is taking tourists and turning them into travelers.
0: Very good. Definitely uh, a lot of great information. Actually, I've I've been on the website and and also uh, I do follow you on Instagram. And like I said, I share with anyone that wants to listen, uh, that can listen uh, about what you're doing over there. It's amazing. I had some uh, in my previous uh, episode podcast, I had on a, another person in a different business, same thing. She, in fact, she was saying that. All of her business with referrals, and it's a testament to what you, your daughter, and your staff are doing in Paris. Absolutely ama- amazing city! I had a chance to go there, as I mentioned earlier, in the '92, and I never for- forget it because when I got over in Paris, I was—I I w- did—I wasn't looked at the same, and I wasn't treated. I was treated just like a regular person, as opposed to the here in the states. Person, it's a little yes. different. <laughs> Which I love. to that,
1: that is what's significant. I had an uncle. I couldn't tell all the story. I had an uncle who fought in, in Paris in France during World War One. He was the first one to tell us, you know, to to talk about the fact that Paris was a place where you could you could be who you were.
0: True. Yes. And be
1: honored. And these black men, some three hundred fifty thousand who fought in World War One, were heroes mm-hmm. of the war. And treated as such here, while in the United States, they might be subject to lynching when they return from the war. So we tell all of these stories. The other thing, I have to say this before we stop. There are rules. There are rules of etiquette here. And Americans, you know, we go places and we're like, okay, why don't they speak English? I'm like, you know, you traveled 5,000 miles to <laughs> go to a different right. place. So understand that they don't speak the same language. And in fact, they do in many cases. But right. they want you, they want us as Americans to treat them politely by at least saying a few words. Bonjour, madame. Merci, monsieur. Au revoir, madame. And if you do that, they'll say, okay, that's nice of you. We like you. Okay, we'll switch to English now.
0: No problem. Perfect oh. advice because when I... That was uh, the. I had a friend that traveled the world as a uh, producer, and uh, I was going over as a producer, and I said, hey, what can you share with me? Everyone was telling me, learn the language, and uh, for two weeks, I learned it, and it, to me, it, it created a, a great experience. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the CEO and founder of Black Paris Tours, and of course, the website is blackparistour.com, not plural, Ricky, thank you so so much, and we're definitely going to end up having you back. I wish you the absolute best to you, your family,
1: Monsieur, and take Um, care. Joyeux Noël. Au revoir, Monsieur.
2: Hello, I'm Bernadette Stanis, Thelma from Good Times, also Nene Duncan on The Family Business. Hello there, Stan. I want to congratulate you on your two-year podcast anniversary, and I wish you many, many more as Stan the Man. I know that you are helping so many businesses become successful That's a wonderful thing that you're doing. I just want to thank you. It means so much to me to have a fan like you that has followed me for so many years as Thelma of Good Times with my brother, J.J., Michael, Alona, Mom, and Dad, and Bookman. You know, we had a lot of fun on that show. And now, I'm on the family business. I'm one of the Duncans, and... We're having a lot of fun, too, in a different kind of way. You know, I have three children there. I have um, Curtis, and Lauren is my daughter, and Kenny is my baby son, and of course, my crazy husband, Larry. Join us. We come on every Thursday with a new show. So you enjoy your anniversary. Keep watching me on different shows. Especially the family business, and I want to thank you. Stand the Man Podcast with Business and. Entrepreneurs!